Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates, ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Thursday edition is here. We're glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Entire cast and crew here with us as well. Big show planned today. Andrew Brandt will be with us in 20 minutes. Looking forward to talking about the business of sports with a guy who's been an agent and in the front office with the Green Bay Packers uh, and now does many different things on the media side, talking about all things NFL and beyond. Andrew Brent joins us in 20 minutes. Moose Johnston, former Cowboys uh, veteran, Super Bowl winner, Fox Sports analyst, and recently the USFL commissioner. He will be with us uh, coming up in hour number two. And Scooby Wright, who previously joined the show, had a great visit with us as linebacker for the Birmingham Stallions. Talks about what's next after the Stallions won the inaugural USFL championship. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. we got a busy show today. It's not going to be many times that chances take a breath in this one, so I'm looking forward to it. Glad to be here. Glad to... Uh get things going lots like chad said to to get going on andrew brand in particular um the the load of stuff to talk to him about just goes and goes i'm curious about guaranteed contracts and where he sees the league going so anxious anxious to talk to him about that he's had such a unique career in the amount of things that he's done over the course of his career as an agent then working on the team side now he's a professor at villanova uh i mean this is i'm looking forward to it we're going to have 20 minutes with him, which is a good long interview. We could spend three hours with Andrew Brandt talking about not just things happening now, things that have happened historically, things that have happened throughout his career. Plenty to get into with him. I think of him we're as just a, going to scratch the surface. As a, as a gentleman. Yeah, Something he, about Andrew Brandt that's very gentlemanly. Head us up on Twitter at Outkick360. Uh, Paul mentioned his shirt. Chad's wearing Mow Like a Champion, the brand new gear from Outkick.com for the Thursday Night Mowing League. Joe Kinsey, our Grateful and thoughtful commissioner sending these along. And um, well done, Chad. It looks good. Yeah. It, the only problem with mow like a champion today is it hasn't rained enough in Middle Tennessee to be able to mow like a champion today. So that's the issue we're having right now. It looks like some storms overhead as we speak. Hopefully we get some rain so I can get back to mowing like a champion on Thursday night with the we, rest of the Thursday night mowing We, we were extremely fortunate. We've, we've had two downpours within the last week. I don't know how it chose our home, but it did. So, uh, I mean, it is right now there is a storm cell coming through Middle Tennessee and it has split our house. <laughs> I'm looking at the radar right now and it got close to our house and it split north and south around it. It went through. We got a little bit of rain a couple days ago. Uh, should get a little bit more tonight. That's a big problem, though, in, in a lot of places. There's a lot of people in farming in the Midwest right now that really, really need some rain in order to not cost themselves a bundle in uh, making sure that uh, you know cows have water 
and a lot of other th- issues that arise from it that. It really so. is remarkable what's going on where we live. The three of us kind of triangulate Nashville, and the way it's rained on the rare occasion when it's rained here, I would bet none of these things have hit all three of us simultaneously. Like there are pods of thunderstorms where it rains pretty good for a while, yeah. but we have not had a day where it's like rained for, for Nashville. <laughs> Like where all three of us would say, boy, that was some rain last night. It's a good thing we got a full night of rain or anything like that. And I can't remember it ever being like that. Like I've got some friends in the lawn care business who are desperate for it to rain. And I'm sure, you know, this neighborhood over there got some, but this other neighborhood he does on the other end of town got none. Well, I'm tired of just watering my lawn. Yeah. I mean, I'd much rather be mowing than out, you know, every 15, 20 minutes rotating. I don't have the in-ground sprinkler system, so... I'm old school in it. I'm taking the sprinkler from one yeah, part of the, the yard, on it. you know, spooling up the the hose when it's done, taking it out, moving it to every part of the yard. I'm we I'm invested over that. in the in ground, and I've cranked it up. You know, it used to be a three day a week thing. It's a five or six day a week thing now, and it's still brown. So I'm cranking up the time. You know, all right, well, this extra five minutes make the day. Everybody's yards look. Terrible. You know, it's a hot and dry summer when your water bill looks like your streaming service bill or your cable bill. And right now, my entertainment costs are equal to my water bill each month. It looks like the same thing. Still my, not my, electric. Direct, my direct TV bill is less than my water bill the last couple of months. <laughs> that, that's where you know you're not getting a lot of rain and it's very hot. And you know if we're talking about weather, something severe is going on because we are generally anti-weather. Talk. Well, this is less about weather, weather and more about water. And it ties in with yeah. Chad's shirt. We, this, is right. very, this is where this show is unique. You're going to hear plenty of shows out there nationally and locally opening talking about the forecast or what it's like outside that day we have a spin on it where we come in talking about h2o and the water effects on the weather and a drought and what happens so let's keep it real paul that's where we're very unique i'm with you so uh speaking of water there is a reporter and in fact the founder and editor-in-chief of swim sam swim swam.com it's hard to say uh, who covers collegiate swimming and uh verified account uh, Braden Keith is his name. He links to a story earlier this morning that points to a report from Riley Overend at the website, uh, specifically mentioning, here's the original tweet from Braden Keith of Swim Swam. North Carolina, Florida State, Clemson, and Virginia are all negotiating to join the SEC. ESPN is trying to void their TV deal with the ACC. And then he links to a, a story um, that is uh, pointing to one specific source saying that this is an ongoing talk with the Southeastern Conference and again points to ESPN being the power player behind the scenes because ESPN has the rights to the ACC contract tr- through the middle of the 2030s. And of course, they're about to uh, launch into the mega deal with the SEC. Specifically, though, these th- this report and this tweet has been retweeted with those covering college football saying that it's not true. There is no negotiation taking place, and there's no movement behind the scenes in regards to adding these four specific teams to the Southeastern Conference as conference realignment continues to be a huge talking point up- across the country. And this was around the time last year where it was reported that Texas and Oklahoma would be joining the SEC, and of course, last week we learned about USC and UCLA. That the idea that these four would want to join the SEC don't shock me. No, um, but 
there's really not a ton to negotiate other than ESPN and the ACC. The SEC lays out the the guidelines here, and you know you you either in or you're out uh, based on the invitation from the Southeastern Conference. You're not negotiating in order to join. At least I wouldn't think so. You just move on to the next one. And a part of this report that's at the website, just to be specific, um, they mention why certain teams are mentioned over others. According to their source, money is a major factor, along with recruiting clashes. Florida reportedly does not want Miami. Tennessee does not want UNC. Kentucky doesn't want Louisville. Louisville brings in the second most revenue, though, amongst all ACC schools. Miami's revenue... We don't know. It's not public knowledge because of the privacy and the private university aspect, but they believe that they're among the top in the ACC as well, and they have the Miami-Florida market. So they're, they're referencing a lot of schools that have been mentioned, that have not been mentioned, um, and meanwhile, you've got national reporters uh, across the boards shooting this down, uh, but not to the point where they're saying it's not going to happen ever. It's just not happening right now. So from a business perspective, here's where, to me, this story doesn't make a lot of sense. Agree with you, Hutton. Clemson, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia should absolutely want to join the SEC. That does not surprise me one bit. I've written about this at OutKick. They should be on their hands and knees trying to find any way possible to get out of that ridiculous grant of rights agreement that goes through 2036 to join the SEC. But where this does not make sense is the ridiculous part of the grant of rights agreement is beneficial to ESPN. Why would ESPN want to get out of something that they are benefiting from with the ACC? This is a great deal for them to have that conference locked up with those teams for that long is a good situation for them. They are not going to, unless they're really in deep with the SEC and they're going to get some sort of hometown discount, I don't know why the ACC would cancel that out in order to pay the SEC a lot more money than they're already paying them for those four teams. The, I think the reason behind that, business-wise, while they've got a great deal with the ACC, they're about to run college sports. There's going to be a separation between the NCAA and the power conferences. They're already in, you know, the college football playoff is separate from the NCAA. And by doing this and by adding certain schools with the ACC, partnering with the Big Ten, you create your own national championship across the board, not just in college football. And I, I've, been, I've been standing on the soapbox for this for months. I, I think this is where we're headed. And I think ESPN sees a, a, a point where there's not a leader in place with the NCAA. TV deals are up across the country. They own the rights to the ACC, and they want to ensure that if there's going to be a buyout, it's going to go to the programs that they definitely want to join that would then separate and create their own college league for lack of a better way to explain it and if you're going to do that and you believe it's going to happen between tw before 2036 you do it now while everyone's negotiating their television and streaming contracts and you load up and get ready to move forward in what's going to be a massive movement for college football and college sports i also think these school by school objections shouldn't mean much i understand texas a&m well, wasn't in the conference very really. long but surely they, you know, we know that they were against Texas coming in. For the good of the league, you take these teams. Who cares if Tennessee is against North Carolina? If, if, if the group judges, and Sankey particularly judges, that North Carolina is a good ad, 
sorry, Tennessee, tough luck. Well, that, why, that why you don't want them? The report said that Florida's against Miami, but not against Florida State during yeah. the conference. Florida State's right down the road. You would think that I would don't, hurt I them mean, more. Miami's in a completely different. I, I don't. I would be against both of them. Yeah. I mean, Florida's big selling point now is We're Florida, it's the state of Florida well, and, in the and, SEC. Yes, and you get the SEC I, here where you don't get it. For everybody's going to get hurt somewhat by well, the increased competition. And all they're doing in, in the particular. report is reporting. They are repeating what they've heard through one source. That that's all that they. So they they didn't mention the obvious one. The obvious one is Clemson in South Carolina. They didn't mention that either. Yeah. Um, but that I mean, to me, that's a no brainer. There would be some, you know. Uh, uh, there would be a battle there, but if Texas A&M can't keep Texas out of out of the SEC, uh, there's there's no one that's going to keep any school from joining. Especially whenever you start to present this grand plan of what this is going to end up being, which is a hundred million dollars plus per year per school um, in in rights fees and everything else that's going to go into these mega deals, and that that's what the Big Ten, for instance, is eventually going to get to whenever they merge all of these different platforms together. Well, a quick history lesson. So a lot of people now are angry at John Swafford saying, why did you lock in this grant of rights agreement with ESPN for so long? Well, it's revisionist history because he did the smart thing in what his schools wanted when Maryland left the ACC for the Big Ten. Because when that happened, that was signaling that it's about to be a mass exodus. We have to keep yeah. our conference together. Do whatever is necessary to do it. So... What did he do? He went. He negotiated a television contract that locked them in for years and kept that group together because at the time, every ACC program was saying, we can't lose this conference. Maryland's leaving. Who's going to be the next to go? So he did what the schools wanted in, at the time. Now it's become this albatross that those that might want to leave can't get out of. And it's not profitable for the conference like a constantly rotating media deal like you see with Big Ten, SEC, where it turns over quicker and you get to get more money every single time. It's the same as an athlete signing a short-term contract in order to, betting on themselves in order to re-up every year or two and sign an even bigger deal. So I don't think John Swafford, you know, some villain in all this, he did what the ACC needed and wanted at the time. It's just now backfiring on those that might want to leave the conference. A little bit of research I did also. The biggest states left in the country from a population standpoint that do not currently have an SEC or Big Ten school located in, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, New York is the biggest, but people want to count Rutgers as a New York, but I, I'm not counting Rutgers in that. Number two that's left, North Carolina. Population. Number three, Virginia. North Carolina and Virginia make a lot of sense. Yeah. For either kind, we knew that the whole time, but both of those make sense. I'll still argue, though, from a cultural fan base football standpoint, Virginia Tech is an SEC school in everything but current conference. And a North Carolina Duke split has meaning. Coming up in 45 minutes, Daryl Moose Johnston will be on the show when we come back. Andrew Brandt joins us. We talk the business of the NFL and guaranteed contracts. That's all straight ahead. First, though, Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora NutriScience, trusted partner that keeps Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is the website. It's where you can see more information. And Outkick 360 season ticket holders, you receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360 
whenever you check out at vitalifescience.com. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for you to benefit from. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes that ensure greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, and more. You can check out everything they have to offer at vitalifescience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. V-I-D-A, VitaLifeScience.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Kick 360 rolls on across the Outkick Network. Pleased to be joined by Andrew Brandt, business of football expert, a regular columnist at several outlets, including MMQB with Sports Illustrated. And we say hello to Andrew now on the show. Andrew, great to have you on, man, and good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be with you guys. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, uh, no market for for Baker Mayfield other than what we saw come to fruition yesterday with the Carolina Panthers. Um, did this come down, in your opinion, to the the Browns' unwillingness to budge on the money early on throughout this process? Was there more? Yeah, was there more to it than that, or were teams just truly not that interested in Baker? There's a combo of all the things you just said. I think the bottom line here is before we get to what happened, this was never going to be the case. Baker Mayfield and the Browns, the ship sailed. And there's more to the story than we know, certainly. But even with Watson, I know we're going to talk about that situation. They just weren't going to Baker Mayfield. That was not going to happen. And I don't have a specific reason why. But everything I've heard for months is like that ship sailed. It's over. And if you remember, Baker Mayfield was talking that way before they signed Deshaun Watson. So whatever the reason is, that was gone. But now we get to my expertise on the, on the finance. $19 million guaranteed. They exercised that option two years ago. Now, they didn't do an extension last year, and they probably wiped their brow that they didn't. But they are on the hook or were on the hook for that 19 million. And what the Panthers did was just sort of wait the clock out on them, run the clock, because as we know now, there were no other suitors. There was posturing about Seattle or something. It wasn't gonna happen. So what they did was they had one negotiation with one team who made them do the following, pay 10 and a half million of that money, which was actually reduced to 16 and a half or 15, 15 and a half million overall, and only get a fifth round pick in 2024, which is like a sixth or seventh round pick now. So the way I look at that trade is Baker was dying to get out of Cleveland, gave up three and a half million to do so. Cleveland was going to take whatever they could get. And that's what they got. Andrew Brandt with us. Uh, I'm curious, do you think 30 other teams felt the way, not everybody needs a quarterback, but 30 other teams felt the way Cleveland did about Baker Mayfield? Um, when it was all what what inside the business of who talks to who during the offseason, whatever was going on behind the scenes in Cleveland, did the other teams clearly know about this and they thought that the Browns would just cut him? Either cut him, 
keep them on their roster, pay them to stay away as they as the Watson thing in Houston last year, or have a fire sale, which is kind of what they just did. Uh, I just think you're right. Teams don't look for a lot of quarterbacks. Garoppolo is still on the 49ers. Teams have their young guy. They may have their veteran backup already. They may have their superstar like a Rodgers Brady and a specific guy behind them that's either coming up or has been there a while, like Blaine Gabbard in Tampa. You know, teams just aren't looking, and especially this time of year. So if the Baker Mayfield was going to happen with any kind of real compensation, that would have been March. You know, now in July is just that that's what happens in July. We talk all the time here about the amount of control NBA players have over their league and their movement. Uh, is the Deshaun Watson guaranteed contract and what we've seen with guys like A.J. Brown forcing, forcing their hand, the beginning of that in the NFL, is the next big quarterback contract going to be guaranteed because of the precedent that Deshaun Watson set? Yeah, I mean, on the NBA thing, I I I I I, I think able with the NFL players compared to the NBA, you can have superstars wanting out, and it just doesn't happen. And there's no bigger A-list superstars than Aaron Rodgers, and last year, not this year, Russell Wilson, and both those teams last year said no, <laughs> no, we're not doing it, we're not. And of course, Russell got traded this year and Aaron Rodgers made up with the Packers and re-signed again this year. But I don't think we're at that level. Now, the, the situations you talk about really come down to money more than where they are. You know, uh, A.J. Brown just wasn't going to get the deal like these veteran players were getting this year, like a Tyreek Hill, like a Devontae Adams, like a uh, Cooper Cup. That wasn't going to happen for A.J. Brown in Tennessee. So they, they cut their losses, got a great deal from Philly, and then Philly paid him like they did the top veteran receivers. But Adams, and, then, Adams, Adams and Hill forced that Adams too, right? Hill forced that too, right? They forced out. And what's so interesting about that, to me, that's the big story of the 2022 offseason, is that these receivers have transformed the marketplace. And they've done it in, in ways like what you're talking about with some player empowerment but I, like I said about Baker and Cleveland, I think there's a backstory with Devontae and the Packers. We focus so much on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Something was going on there. And something was going on with Tyreek and the Chiefs. Because you have a guy like that, you pay him. And for some reason, they didn't. Those two teams decided they're better off with draft picks and cap room than superstar receivers. Now that's a trend now too. Tennessee's taking that trend. We'll go young and cheap at receiver and use our cap somewhere else. Whereas the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the Eagles are going the different way. So Andrew, because you've been on so both Andrew, sides of this, on- with both uh, being an agent and being a part of a team, I'm curious about what you said. With It was over with Baker Mayfield even before Deshaun Watson was a part of the discussion. When do you know yeah. you're at a complete impasse on either side that even if it makes perfect sense that this is the guy that would be best for our team if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the year, there's no way that's going to happen because neither side can come to any agreement on it happening. Is it often 
that you see this happen as an agent or a team that you just know when you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it's that's a good way to say it. You know when you know. And this is a unique one because we didn't get to it in the last question, but the Watson contract is, is just, I continue to scratch my head because what they have done for this player is unlike any team has ever done for an NFL player and let that sink in. We're not even talking about the Watson circumstances around what he's, what he's done off the field. This is the best contract in league history. And I'm not sure it's even close because it is 46 million a year, rock solid. It is fully guaranteed like an NBA contract, like a major league baseball contract and has been well reported the only money subject to loss for suspension this year is a million-dollar salary, not a $45 million signing bonus. So everything an agent would want in a contract is in that deal. And once they do that for Deshaun, there's no need for Baker Mayfield. I mean, you just don't have Baker on a team like that who's been your starter for three years. That just doesn't happen. Well, once they've done this for Deshaun, Andrew, what does it mean for what the Bengals will do for Joe Burrow and what the Chargers will do for Justin Herbert or Lamar Jackson in Baltimore? What are we about to see based on what Cleveland did with Watson? This is the thing I want to see so much as an as a expert in this field, how big and precedent this is going to be. We've had one kind of upper-level quarterback done since. That's Derek Carr. Now, Carr got good cash flow, but Carr doesn't have any of the bells and whistles. So the Raiders were able to negotiate away the Watson deal. Lamar Jackson is the one to watch now because Lamar Jackson can easily walk into Steve Bashotti. I've had a better career. I had less injuries and I don't have circumstances around me. Pay me more than Watson. With that structure, with that guaranteed structure, Bashotti even said at the owners meetings, ah, this, I hate this deal. So has it hasn't happened. And here's the thing with Burrow and and Herbert that is underreported, guys. Not only should they walk in and say, give me a better deal when they get up for renegotiation next year, but there's a funding issue here. So NFL contracts, future guarantees have to be funded. In other words, the money has to be put in escrow. There's $180 million of future funding in escrow by the Haslam's for Watson. Mike Brown of Cincinnati, Dean Spanos of the Chargers, they can't do that. They can't do that. They don't have that kind of cash. They are family businesses running NFL teams. They're not Jimmy Haslam. So that's a big problem. They physically can't do these contracts. So the the ramifications are huge on this deal. So what's going on behind the scenes there in preparation for what's about to happen with those two specifically? Well, I would think, you know, they're a year away from being able to negotiate because the CBA requires three years. Um, I would think the the Bengals and the Chargers are just going to try to throw as much money as they can at them and and just have to say we can't we can't future fund. So huge, huge signing bonuses, huge numbers early. And you can't say guaranteed because that requires a huge outlay into a fund. Now, again, people will say, well, they're multi-billion dollar franchises. They should have the money. Well, they have to cash out a lot of things to put that $180 million in escrow. 
Andrew Brandt, our guest. Uh, follow him by searching the name on Twitter. Check out the Sunday 7 newsletter as well uh, at his website, which is linked there. Uh, curious, Andrew, uh, you, you coined the phrase, there will be lawyers. How much money would you project or think has been spent on this Watson hearing that we've been reporting on daily for the last month and a half? Well, the hearing is one thing. I can't even imagine what what Deshaun Watson has paid Rusty Harden up until the hearing. Got to be hundreds of thousands, if you know, if not seven figures. Uh, but anyway, you know, the hearing itself, three days of Jeffrey Kessler. Uh, I, you know, I'm sure he charges a boatload. Rusty Harden's in that too on the Watson side. Um, that's extraordinary. You know, <laughs> again, it's hard to predict the number, but I would imagine Deshaun Watson by now has uh, Rusty Harden has charged Deshaun Watson well over a million dollars. Is there precedent with with Deshaun Watson and whatever happens with him from the league that you can tell, or are we really in? uncharted waters right now with whatever's going to come down based on the number of allegations combined with the fact that as of right now, he's not facing really any legal issues or upcoming trials also. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a lawyer, so I look at precedent and I've talked about this a lot. Ben Roethlisberger, six games, one woman, no criminal charges. Ezekiel Elliott, six games, one woman, no criminal charges. Kareem Hunt, Eight games, one woman, no criminal charges. Ray Rice, indefinite suspension, no criminal charges. If I look at it from that point of view, I say there's no way in God's green earth he doesn't get at least 12, 14 games. But you're right, this is a new hearing. So a new process, even though Roger Goodell is not judge, jury, and executioner, but he is appellate judge, he is the appeals judge. So I've been expecting a massive suspension. I mean, there's there's breadcrumbs out there that it might not be there, but you know, we'll see. I, I just, as a lawyer, I'm looking at that precedent, and I'm like, unless you know, we've got twenty something women making this up in some grand conspiracy against Watson. I don't see how he how he plays much at all this year. I want to flip to a different story, if I may. Um, Freddie Freeman with his agent after he was in Atlanta comes back and says there was an offer from, from my existing team that I never found out about as I signed with the Dodgers fires. The agent seems uh, there's a suit there. If I'm remembering correctly from an agent perspective, how big a sin is that Um, he steered the guy to a different team. Didn't tell him something from his existing team. Does that ever happen? And, and what do you think the root, root of the goings-on is there? Yeah, great question. It's a fascinating story. And my experience having been both agent and team is these things are gray. They're not black and white. There's a lot of nuance in this. Do I think that Casey Close, who's a veteran baseball agent, big-time agent, Derek Jeter, among his clients, actually ignored the Braves' offer in talking to Freeman? No, I don't. Do I think that Casey Close phrased the Dodgers in a better light, where it's more money, more opportunity, more endorsements, more national name, biggest market besides the Yankees. Yeah, probably, probably. I don't, I don't think for a minute he, he had an offer from the Braves that he just hid from his client. I don't believe that. 
I don't believe a veteran agent around 25 years would do that. But there's nuance. I would think he and his firm probably thought this was better to get him out in LA. And that happened. So I don't know. It seems like the Braves are the ones leaking all this stuff because they still harbor some resentment. But this happens all the time, guys, where teams that lose players, especially ones they were after in free agency or their own players, have a different reality about what happened, how they lost them. That happened all the time, all the time. I felt it. And you know what? I would say to these agents where I felt wronged, I don't know if we're going to do business with you, but of course they got players. You know, they'll get players we want. So you can't do that. I mean, the, the Braves can't tell Excel and Casey Close, we're not going to do business with you. They can have players every year. You know, advocate versus advisor uh, as an agent. What I mean by that is if Freddie Freeman, who is overly emotional in his return, clearly wanted to be a Brave, if you are the client, you go to your agent and say, look, I, I wanna, I'm going to sign with Atlanta. But get me as much as yeah. possible. And as long as it's not way below anything else, we're going to end up signing with Atlanta versus when you have a client, Andrew, and you know something is better for them and you play the role of advisor as opposed to advocate and you get into pitch mode of why a decision is not right for them because you're looking out for their best interest. How often does that play against each other as an agent? That's a great question. And it's by agent, by situation, but agents are going to look for opportunity. I know money is always what, what's talked about, but what's the opportunity? You know, when I talk to agents about the Packers in my years there, they're all asking, of course, money is important, but where will he play? How much will he play? When will he play? What about the people at that position? And I think that's where agents have to focus, like opportunity, because you get into some place without, with money and you know, it's like, oh, I didn't think it'd be like this. There's three running backs ahead of me or whatever it may be. So I think you're right. Agents have to advise. But at the end of the day, we miss out sometimes where the client is the boss. And yes, you've got to serve the client. The client's got to tell you. That's why I'm a little disingenuous about the Braves situation. Freddie Freeman, if he really told, you know, the, the agent to say he was going to sign with the Braves, First of all, you know, he would never listen to offers from the Dodgers, which he did, and other teams. So I'm not sure exactly what went on there. I think of you as a pro guy, but I'm sure you're well-informed on the college side and as a lawyer know about these things. I'm wondering how much these grant of rights issues are going to be an obstacle as we see college programs look to bounce conferences as this thing gets bigger and bigger. You see it as much of an obstacle or money going to take care of everything? Yeah. I mean, it sounds so cliche, but money does take care of any, everything. And this realignment is all about money. There's no other reason. I, I, I think, you know, it'd be naive to suggest there's anything beyond that. It's completely about money. And let's be clear though. I think, you know, we shouldn't fault the money grab too much. I just, I read an article about UCLA and how much they're losing as an athletic department because they're funding 20 something sports and they require a lot of money and whatever it is. I, I get it. I get it. You're, you're going to go for the money and it's going to help fund the rest of the athletic program. It's going to fund other projects with the university. 
they're going from making 20 something million a year from the Pac-10 media to 40 something million a year with Big Ten media and Big Ten media is going to double at least in years with the new TV deals. So that's the bottom line in college sports. We're at an inflection point, guys. We've got NIL, we've got transfer portal, and we've got conference realignment all at the same time. And it's just a, a massive reset for college sports. Check out the Business of Sports podcast with Andrew Brandt. You can read his columns at MMQB and uh, follow him on Twitter at Andrew Brandt for more, including links to the Sunday 7 newsletter. Did you enjoy negotiating contracts from the agent or front office perspective? And would, the, would, would things be different now on that answer, given the fact that the, the draft is now slotted? Yeah, I think... You know, the agent side, you're worried about your guy, how much money you can make for him. You really don't care about the team. You don't, you say you do, but you really don't. The team side is very, uh, a little more intellectually challenging because you have to fit everyone in cap wise. You have to be responsible for a roster. You can't do any, any bells and whistles on the contract unless you're ready for a line at the door from your other star players who want the same thing. I found the team side a little more intellectually challenging because I'm fitting into a roster. Uh, I guess I enjoyed that a little more, a little more um, team oriented rather than just worrying about a player here. Agents are like fantasy football players. You know, they're, they got this guy on this team, this guy on this team. That's what they care about. Uh, team is obviously team oriented. So I appreciated that. And my background as an agent really helped me because could cut to the chase, cut through all the BS with agents. You know, I knew what they were going to say. They knew what I was going to say. We'd sort of get to it quickly. Andrew, keep up the great work, man. We appreciate the visit and the perspective today. Thanks very much. Enjoyed it, guys. Take care. All right, there's Andrew Brandt. Uh, Great analysis and opinion there uh, from a guy who has lived it from every angle uh, across the NFL and beyond. We'll recap a bit of what he had to say. Plus, uh, the parallels and where the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl and the Cincinnati Bengals can point to something they have in common right now. Tell you about that next on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Daryl Moose Johnston, USFL VP of Operations. He will join us in nine minutes. Looking forward to that conversation. Really enjoyed chatting there with Andrew Brandt. If you missed portions of that, you can always find the podcast wherever you download your audio. Just search out OutKick360. We'll hope you'll rate and review while you're there. Uh, and check out uh, the video options on YouTube and Twitter as well. Just searching out the show. We hope you'll subscribe to both. Um, he's dead on with the future of quarterback contracts. I don't know about what we're going to see at the other positions. But the guarantees at that at the quarterback spot are going to happen. And, you know, at, he, he had echoed a bit of what I was saying about Lamar Jackson. If I'm Lamar Jackson, I'm coming back and saying, I'm pointing to Deshaun Watson saying, here I am, former MVP. We're in the playoffs. And I don't have any baggage. 
the inability to fund in escrow that's, for Cincinnati yeah. and, and Los Angeles <laughs> that, in particular are big. And, and um, uh, I guess Haslam's are a different level of rich that they were able uh, to put that money in escrow. Well, but I it guess could it, be creative there and it could be practically guaranteed, but not guaranteed guaranteed where, I, I, where I, a guarantee kicks in when you get to that year of the contract and you only have to put it in escrow that, that year, year or you're paying it that year. But it's not guaranteed upon signing, which is a different deal. And guys are just going to have to accept that because if if the Brown family oh, they and, the, the and the Spanos family just don't have it, they don't have it. Well, the, they don't accept it. They just go sign somewhere else that does have it. Well, you're going to get comes. franchised for two or three years in the process because they do have that. I, I I understand what he's saying. It's still difficult for me to wrap my arms around the idea that an NFL owner, one of the 32 can't sign the same contract someone else can. And what he's saying though, is that these are family run businesses in that that is the business, the team. Jimmy Haslam has pilot and he had all these other interests going in. There are these billionaires. There's billionaires that own a team because their family owned the team and passed it down to them. But their business is the team. There are other billionaire owners that one of their businesses is the NFL team. Well, and they have money coming in from all over the place. I, That's I, the difference. The one I know best is obviously Amy Adams Strunk here in Nashville. She's in for $700 million for uh, roughly for the stadium project in Nashville. And, and her president of her team has said she's going to have to sell off other stuff in order to come up with that. Because it's not that long ago. How long? Five years ago where she bought off her sister's share. It was a third, a third, and a third. And in order to get over 50% and to settle a family squabble, she bought off her sister's third of KSA Industries, which isn't just the Titans. It's almond farms and car dealerships and other stuff that are worth quite a bit of money. So she had to get liquid to buy off that third, which was hard to do. Now she has to get liquid for that $700 million for the stadium. So say Malik Willis in, in three or four years is a giant hit, and she's got to come up with a contract like this. I could see how she would have trouble getting liquid after having gotten liquid to buy a third of the team and having gotten liquid to put up $700 million for the stadium. It's conceivable to me, Chad, how she, she could, somebody could be in trouble with that. The Peach Bowl... And the Bengals, what do they have in common? Last week I mentioned the Bengals finally sold out for this upcoming season. The Peach Bowl, we're 177 days away. The game is sold out, except for <laughs> ticket. It's a semifinal for the college football playoff. One game. We don't know the teams good. and the ticket allotment for the teams, but if you're a random fan that just wants to attend a game, you can't find them from them. 